those walk among us. They are in our midst every day. At Heroes in Our Midst, we find them, we celebrate them, and we learn from them. Heroes in Our Midst is a podcast about the power inside the heart, the human behind the story, and the collection of idiosyncrasies that both make us unique and bond us together through a common humanity. Join us as we are inspired, as we learn, and as we are challenged to be better by the heroes in our midst and the stories that they tell. Hi, and thanks for deciding to turn on Heroes in Our Midst. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and I'm excited to welcome Alec Gardner to the show. Yes, it is Alec. You see, when we met for our interview, after decades of knowing this man, I had never been quite sure how to pronounce his name correctly. So I asked him, and he said it is spelled with an X at the end, as in Alex, but it's got a Scottish pronunciation, Alexander. Yes, a bit of a sad try by me on the accent, but when you think of it that way, Alec makes perfect sense. Now, Alec Gardner would be most recognized for his work with Athletics Canada, I would think. He's held several leadership roles there, including head coach, CEO, chief technical officer, and more. He has attended several Olympic Games, was involved in the incredible gold medal finish for Canada in the men's 4x100 race in 1996 in Atlanta. He was instrumental in starting up the Canadian Sports Centre. He had national team coaches reporting to him going into the 2004 Games and after that spent some time with the Canadian Olympic Committee and now finds himself back at the track. Well, when COVID allows, at the University of Manitoba, still pouring his knowledge and experience into our province's young, bright stars. So how did this Alec Gardner go from being a high school teacher in Transcona to a force in high-level sport and a hero to so many? Well, we are going to find out all about that. But first, knowing his humble nature, I asked him if he was surprised at all to have been included in a list of heroes. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but as an English teacher, I knew what the original meaning of hero should be and was meant to be. Uh, I never put that label on me, but I, I realized that the time you give and whatever else you give in, in the important times or the rough times or the everyday times are, are who you are. If they can help someone in any way, make them a bit happier, help, help them uh, understand things maybe in discussions you have with younger people and, and people who you find a little distraught about things. So that's not what all I do with my life, but it's just part of how I'm tuned. I, I couldn't have tuned it uh, better. I mean, uh, so the genetics, I'm happy about that. Yeah. And, and nourishment that I've gotten from my parents and every almost everybody around me. There are a few people you, you don't understand and you don't spend a lot of time with them, but we were in a really close-knit group of uh, kids growing up on Rowan Avenue and Silver Heights. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were on the street. We were um, a little bit more male dominant, just the way it is. So we had awesome sport games all the time. And I might as well play, play out the, uh, the story, this very quick version of it. So when I look back at it, on a fairly small street, it's a, it's a horseshoe state, Rowan Avenue, but there are more significant athletes on that street than I even understood until I, I figured out what they did or they told us what they did or we learned it through the newspaper. So we've had three NHL players, not always 
major stars, but have made teams and skated. Medalists, uh, cyclists, uh, Eric Oland, you probably might know the name. They own the running store across from the city park. And so we were growing up in a, in a bit of a culture of sport, but one of real care. Um, there was no, I don't remember ever any bad feelings, no matter what game we were playing. <laughs> and how I got to be a track and field coach, I don't really know. It was right, right time, right day, something happened. Uh, I, I was a teacher uh, and I still teach from time to time as a coach. Uh, so it, that's I think how it grabbed me, the teaching side, the, learn, the learning side and, and just the fact that someone would ask me to, to coach them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a, what a beginning. So I mean, I mean, you have gone uh, to the Olympic level. We're talking to you about some world-class athletes that you've had relation with and have, have made a difference for. Uh, what did you teach? I think you said English. Was English what you taught? And, and maybe walk us down that path of that moment where you said, somebody asked me to coach them. Right. Uh, yes, I was an English teacher. I had incredible professors at the University of Manitoba. I was, I would say, more interested on the, uh, not on the uh, novel side, but on the poetry side, mm -hmm. and, and writers as opposed to academ academics, people who actually lived it, like mm -hmm. De De Dennis Cooley, a world-renowned uh, novelist called Robert Croach. Not, not a lot of people know him. He's from uh, Alberta, a smaller town. I can't think of it, but he outstanding opening of my eyes and other people in that class so that's that's the part of my heart on, on and academically it, w it was English almost always in my head yeah. because I, I met the right people okay. and, I w and my dad read every night uh, just things like that I never knew I would be there but l let me tell you how I got into sport um, after getting a, a Bachelor of Arts degree with a, a I would say a wonderfully mediocre grade point. I went into educa education, and uh, things got a little bit better there uh, because it was some something I enjoyed. And then I got a placement out in uh, Transcomat at, at Arthur Day Junior High School as a I don't know what you're called when you go there. You, you know, you're you're not you're not paid paid yet. You know, you just that, that's your placement. That's your placement. Right. I forgot what that word was. So I, I met some pretty good people there, and, and I hit with a few of them that helped me through the uh, pathways of uh, the junior high school and behaviors. So one day I was in the hallway, and the track and field group, who I didn't know was the track and field group, uh, said, Mr. Gardner, can you coach our track and field team? <laughs> and I said, what do I need to do? I, I, I sure, what do I need to do? And and they said, you don't have to do anything. We know what we're doing. Uh, and we just need a supervisor. We just, we just need an adult there. And I said, okay. So uh, I, uh, I said, when do you guys start? Well, we're in our indoor season now, like after the wind, the wind the snow falls, then we're in our indoor season. So we just do it in the hallway. I said, okay, I'll stay for a couple of days. And I'm, there, I'm sitting on the floor, reading against the wall, watching what these guys are doing. And I said, this is pretty fascinating. Um, some of them were graduating, not graduating from grade 10, moving into the, the high school. Uh, some, I believed, were talented, but I don't know why. But uh, this was one of those lightning that hit you. Uh, I got a call from Jim Daly, who you may know is the, uh, is the guru of track and field in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. For some reason, he thought I was actually coaching, but, but no, I was a coach. Uh, and it got wind to him and to me that I might want to be coaching. And he said, well, we've got a man called Gerhard Mock coming this weekend. 
said, who's he? He said, well, he's the premier speed track and field coach in the world right now. He's from Poland. He's not simply a coach. He's a, he has, he has a, a PhD in physiology. Uh, very bright man. What, and so Jim said, why don't you come and see this? So it was the first time I ever saw, and you've probably seen these, uh, uh, different running skills like the A march, the B skill. So these are the drills that um, Earhart designed based on uh, formidable biomechanics. So knowing what would work on force pressures and, and how the body coordinated. And so for some reason, I got fascinated with that. But most importantly, I'm sure it was now, it was that four of the athletes, maybe five, uh, after time had made substantial gains and a few of them, probably 10 of them were top 10 in the, in the country. You've been on teams like that, you know what that's like. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's amazing when you say, oh, we did this. And we have a few that made national teams and a few made Olympic teams. Never having a thought that that was my goal. Never having a thought that, you know, I want to see that guy get a medal. It would have been great, but I guess I was more of a, what can I do to make them better? Who do I learn from? Sometimes you get a bad teacher or a bad mentor, and sometimes you get a, an awesome one. And so you have to decide which play you're going to make. And I know that the I know everything yell at you coach is not going to make it for very long. Some will realize that and it will change. And uh, from there, I, I was just absolutely fascinated. Yeah. And I had having good athletes was it did everything to keep me moving forward, Michelle. It's just. The, the, these young women and young men wanted to do this and they enjoyed it and uh, it's followed me up 45 years of coaching wow yeah and I'm just starting and you're still going <clears throat> but what a lifelong learner you were obviously and you are still uh, in your journey in this so do you have a, a highlight meet was there a moment or two along the way that really propelled you and said this is what I'm doing no, there were a lot of those moments that were uh, telling me that you're doing the right thing, you're talking to the right people, mm -hmm. you were learning to be uh, a mature, dedicated coach. You uh, were curious. You know, yeah, I'm very curious. Was I innovative? No, not yet, but I started to learn a few things later. Mm -hmm. But the moments are, there are many of them, and those moments can be very plain. Right. Where you're like sitting around a campfire and you look at each other and you just kind of nod your head and you know something's, something's good's happening. That's a bit of a metaphor, but you, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be the big explosive win. Okay. However, I'm going to talk about the big explosive win. So, 1996 in Atlanta, when the Canadian team shone through the uh, Donovan Bailey and through the teams, 4 by 100 meter team. So, that, that was a program that I seen start and seen all of its way through right from the misfortune of Ben Johnson yeah. uh, and, and through the successful ones that were able to uh, remain in clean sport, uh, Donovan Bailey and others like that and programs not quite as as strong now but the rest of the world is strong too so mm -hmm. it, it's, it's different in, in track and field. Can you take us into 1996 or leading up to that? We all saw the moment Donovan Bailey's mouth is open. We, how many times are we going to see that? And we don't mind seeing it over and over. Uh, I, I'm sure some are wondering what exactly was your role uh, with those athletes and, and what was that like? Atlanta was, I was the head coach in Atlanta. I, I did two or three other things. Okay. 
I had a, another role in 1995, the year before Atlanta in Yorktoboy, Sweden, okay. where where Bailey won the hundred there too, and we won the we won the relay. Yeah. So we had that kind of momentum, and we had natural talents with really good coaches. As the head coach, I did I I did not coach one or two, but they all had individual coaches, and I think that preparing for the uh, for the Olympic Games, we. Felt that we could do this again coming out of Sweden, and the, the, the individual coaches bought into that. And just like the athletes of that era, the coaches were exceptional, exceptionally educated, exceptionally familiar, willing to take risks, and they were all connected to other coaches in the world. And they would meet with the German coaches, or the, or the Russian coaches, or the Austrian coaches, wherever they felt they could get something uh, and share something. They were, they were there. And we have renowned coaches way beyond me, but the same as therapists, doctors, and, in, and everybody else it takes to, to make a program. So that's what I liked about it. That's what I understood. I liked about it. There were no, nobody pre, being a, a prima donna, no one looking at themselves in the mirror. I shouldn't say no one, but it just wasn't part of our culture. Mm -hmm. it, it was wonderful times. Wow. It, it, was, it was wonderful times. It took me away from the family for long periods of time. Uh, showed me the world. Um, however, uh, what came from that is what came after. After all of a sudden the program started to tank, meaning uh, when well, you can't have a, an Olympic program every year or every four years, you're not going to get onto the podium all the time. And for a while, most of us uh, didn't believe that. And uh, the talent level that came in was rare. Yeah. Very rare about who came into the programs across the country. Um, they've happened in little splashes since then, but not like it was then. Uh, although we've had some great, great years, great yeah. years all the time. Uh, so th that that's how it happened. You know, I was very hands off. Yeah. Because no one knows better than the coach and the athlete what they have to do. So they don't need the head coach barking at them. The head coach does simple things like uh, I did a couple of simple things that people I said to one of the coaches and I said to to the to the athlete I said if you're finding the uh, the dorms where we're staying or in the hotel we're staying if it's getting too tense if it's if people are talking to you to ask how you're going to run every day then get yourself out of here we'll we'll put you in a hotel room we'll, we'll I use this word isolate you uh, just because he got very anxious when people were asking him how he was going to do he did very well he did not he did not win the gold medal I think he was uh, he was fourth but he also won two silver medals in the world championship so he has nothing to be concerned about mm -hmm. wonderful young man but I, I knew that why would I be giving advice to a coach of that caliber he was also a physical therapist who had Credentials that were internationally renowned. So he had a great package of, of uh, intelligence, intellect, and knowing what to do over the long term. Uh, so they were really special times, you know. And there was many, many, many of them. As many times we dropped the baton too, literally and figuratively, and, and uh, that's why my career was cut quite short. <laughs> But Alec, I think one of your gifts, it sounds like to me, um, is in a group like that. If we talk about that 96 group and the 95 group leading up and you talk about all this talent that came together, 
There's, but there's always challenges in that. In your soft-spoken way, it sounds like, you know, I just suggested the hotel and you make it sound, I think for you, I think that's sort of just a part of who you are, a part of your process. Let's right. just think outside the box. Let's see how I can help you. I won't step in where I'm not needed. Yeah. Um, what was the greatest challenge of uh, keeping that team performing like that? I mean, if you perform like that in 95, it's almost, it's almost harder to perform again the next year. What was the key there for you um, as the overseer head coach there? Well, I think the most difficult thing is that uh, on the Atlanta team, the really team in particular, two, two of the athletes became predominant, not just as relay runners, but as international runners, so both Donovan and Bernice Serrett. Yeah. And did they get off track? Maybe. Uh, I'm not using the word track that way, but if you, <laughs> did they not run down the pathway? They, 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 they left, uh, left or right sometimes because they all of a sudden got wonderful compensation from those that wanted to sponsor her mm -hmm. and there was a lot of heavy demands on them to go to different speaking uh, events to sign autographs to be on the radio and i know michelle you've been through that in your life and it drains you mm -hmm. uh although people adore people and and they really think about them and they're glad they know them that that takes a toll too trying to be who you know the Donovan Bailey as opposed to Donovan Bailey and it, it's been hard on every everyone just about that I've met who's, who's been that good there's been some uh, reckonings uh, some, some self-assessment and some good friends around them saying here's some things I think you might want to think about you got a longer life ahead yeah. and some never did hear that uh, but I, I've got immense numbers of friends as you do too being in sport for, for, for the right reasons. I certainly was in sport, not as a player, although I've been involved in a few, <laughs> but knowing how you can be part of that group and through what you've done when you were learning, when you were asking people questions, keeping note of what you might try and keeping note of what you know works. Don't stray away from that. Like, let me try something new. Well, old school is not bad. Some of it is. And it's starting to change because young people are starting to change and we're using different parts of our bodies. It's not our voice, it's our, our brain, our emotion, our empathies, our, our fears. They're, they're out there. We don't bring them out on purpose, but I think coaching is way, way more human and, and warmer. Uh, the athletes of today, the, the ones I see are pretty talented, does, but that doesn't matter to me. It's just working with them as people. I, I coach for different reasons now. It's not for my pleasure. It's for seeing how people's lives do change, and not only because of me, but to some effect. And people have told me that, and I know that as a coach, they told me that what the difference is, and we can be that father or that mother in a different way. Yeah, we can be someone who's absolutely genuine, and that's yeah. that's the thing that we all try to to, to, to work on. One of one of the young men on the uh, Atlanta team um, from uh, Ottawa, uh, Glenroy Gilbert, amazing oh, yeah. human being. Yeah, he is one of the, the best people I know. He was brought up um, by a single mother and five kids, and they moved to the, to Canada. And his mother really held the family together. This family, the ones I know, are are just marvelous because they're they're nurturing through their their friends and their family, and especially their mother. It's phenomenal who they are as people. Are they rigid? They have to be sometimes. Uh, they're truth tellers, and they're they're really they're, they're really gentle at the same time. So. Yeah, those are the kind of things I, I remember. Yeah. I mean, I, 
And I read there's some really sad moments too. You know, um, just after watching uh, Usain Bolt in Berlin, I can't remember what it was. I'm only bringing up the name because of who he was. Yeah. I saw him in his youngest years, and everybody was swarming over him in the first international event in a good way. He stopped and talked to everybody. And he was very, very happy about this. And then, no later than I would say, the swarm around him in the village, and maybe five minutes later, went upstairs and all the athletes ate in this large, large convention area. And a young woman who has had the uh, X and Y chromosomes, 800 meter runner, Castor Semenya, how she how lonely she was, even though she was the world champion. She found who she was finally, and I can see more and more young people finding who they are on the gender side and, and what they can decide. Yeah. So this one, they, they were opposites. They were distant, but they weren't, right? They're both world champions and phenomenal. Yeah. And they were very, very different in, in who they were. So that, that was what really, really is tattooed right into my brain. And when I need to think about things, I really remember. Yeah. Yeah, I really remember. Vulnerability is a character. He's <laughs> a character in many ways, and really, really a bright guy. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you one thing that's, for me, it was kind of funny. Domin was very careful with his money. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he has a business degree, quite smart. Um, so I said, Donald, let's go to dinner. This is when I first got to lunch. I was too cheap for dinner. Uh, <laughs> I said, let's just sit down and see how things are going. And uh, he said, sure, where do you want to go? I said, oh, we're going to go to Louis, whatever it was called. Just a, you know, a simple table and all of that stuff. I was talking just you know, general things about his program and what he might want to do. And then I looked at him and I said, how tall are you? I'm probably 6'2 or 6'3. Your seat's not elevated, is it? And I thought, I said, well, I'm sitting down too, and I'm 5'7, and our eyes are at the same level. <laughs> I said, you've got hugely long legs. He said, yeah, my femurs are really long. My whole legs are really, really long. And I, and I, I just started to laugh. And I said, it's the strangest things I've ever seen. I mean, but it's obvious, right? And then the next thing he does, he gets out and, lit, and it's black. It's really a black book. Well, uh, Athletics Canada told me that you know, I'd be getting some help here, um, that I needed some uh, some sort of financial support to get to the uh, events in Europe. Um, I haven't heard much about that yet. Can you help me speed that up a little bit? So he was taking care of his things too. He, he said, here's what I've been promised. Yeah. I need to see it if I want to be the gold medalist. It's fluffy, but it's pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty neat, even just pretty neat that you're sitting down and uh, even just lunch with Donovan Bailey is, yeah, is pretty I neat. I mean, okay. yeah. yeah, it's okay. And you've had these relationships. And I mean, Alec, you talked about uh, coaching and you talk about coaching now, but in between you did um, uh, administration side to sport. Yeah. And you talked about how uh, just kind of those things happen. Uh, do you remember the first time you sort of maybe got away from the track a bit, but still, obviously in athletics, you've never strayed from that, but uh, maybe on the office side, what was that like for you? What was the decision-making process for you to maybe try that part? Something I seem to understand right away that mm -hmm. I need to understand what leadership was. Right. And it was not by voice volume, and it was not by this is what I did, and it was not by etc. The longest of things that uh, not only did I, I would say, intuitively think this isn't the way I would do it. And mm -hmm. what I did do, and I was a voracious reader, and I can say that in a, mm -hmm. I spent a lot too much money way, uh, that I, I used to read on leadership 
constantly. They go to any time there was someone from that domain that was at, at the Centennial Concert Hall or wherever they were speaking, I would go. I would buy the CDs. I still do that to this day. And that's the other thing that really helped me was having a wife who was on the national team as well, understanding understanding what happens when we go to town, when, they, when they're turning too hard. I don't know if you know Sandra Reddy, but that's my, that's mm -hmm. my wife. Mm -hmm. So that made a big difference in how we could, be, we could feel uh, supported. And, and because we understood that, yeah, you have to go away for three weeks in Europe. Yeah, I've got to do this, and I'm sorry I can't go there. But mm -hmm. yeah, those, those kind of things are they're, they're marvelous. Talk about Athletics Canada <clears throat> as an organization, and when you when you became involved in that. What when you when you became involved? What was your role, and how did it evolve? Maybe that way. And and what were some of the things that you wanted to do yeah. in that role? Yeah, my first role was called a technical director, uh, and so uh, we moved from um, Winnipeg to Ottawa. Uh, I said I wanted to try this. Sandy, at that point, we had one child, Robert, and we had two more in Ottawa, and then when they had Max, our fourth child, not necessarily named because that was the Max number of children, that was just the name we thought was a good one. So, yeah, I, I went there, um, and within a year, people are going to think that I've gone a little too high in my horse. After that year, or the second year, the, um, the CEO resigned, and I said very clearly to other people in the executive, I said, I'm interested in, interested in this job, what do you think? I think I should even think about it. And they said, well, you'll have to make that decision. And some said, you might make it. And Sandy and I talked about it, and then I decided if I would do that. Okay. And I prepared like a crazy person in things that I knew about and what where I could see the changes. Mm -hmm. And it didn't hurt that I had, uh, and I, I'm declaring the truth, that one of my key athletes was on the board who was going to select the next president and CEO. Uh, the other people I didn't know well enough, so I felt it was neutral. It wasn't, it wasn't me. I, mean, I want those four guys to interview me, and those two girls to interview me, and I think I might get in. So I was absolutely shocked when they phoned me the day after the interviews. And there were some substantial people in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was for a while. Oh, boy. But, but I, I laid it down, and I said, I, I really want to bring a different kind of a culture back where, where we can talk genuinely. And, and in anger if we need to, sure. but also to see if we can get the right energies and the right finances to the athletes and the coaches. Not to, well that's one great uniform, that's not where we were. And it was also, as we talked about before, it was just the caliber of people at that time. That was just another one of those lucky periods in my life where all of these athletes, with their coaches, with their therapists, with new motivations in science, to encourage it a lot more, and to meet with each other, all the professions integrated. And we had some wonderful, wonderful things when three or four people would talk to each other. And sometimes it could be, geez, I don't know, I can talk to Dr. So-and-so, or I can tell you exactly what happened. And sure enough, one adjustment, one whatever, changed the thing, hmm. changed the mechanical fault. There's so many of those things that occur every day, it became every day. Oh, what year was this? <clears throat> what, what, what time was this that you were uh, CEO? Yeah. Oh, 96. Yeah. I forgot I was the CEO in 96 and 97 and then... Yeah. You were busy in 96. It was a busy time for it you. Was, it was. You were sort of overseeing all of this business of Athletics Canada and having great success and yeah. and, and what a time. So so then, so you did that and then you said 97, you got uh, hired back here in Winnipeg right. uh, at the University of Manitoba or or what spurred that change on? Why not stay with the national team and, and just do it another, for another four years and, uh, you know, do some more of that? 
I didn't get along with two members of chairman of the board. End okay. of discussion. Done. In fact, I found them very abusive. Okay. Uh, to me and to others. Yeah. And I simply told one of those people who happened to be in the highest position. Yeah. I said, uh, I've got. I applied for the job in Winnipeg ahead of time. I said I've got an offer to be the general manager of the Canadian Sports Centre, and uh, and he immediately said, is that because of me? And I immediately said, no, we've got a job offer, bring the family back. Uh, I didn't do any yeah. underscore on that one. So <laughs> that's what got brought me back. Okay. Was a chance. Actually, what's a chance to be at home? Yeah. A chance to be at home, and our family was growing, and, and, and I wanted to lead a program right from the bottom, right, right from the start. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Talk about the Canadian Sports Centre in those times. I mean, 96 was my Olympics, and this was, a, this was like you say, yes. from the bottom. This was a new thing. It didn't really exist when no. I was an athlete, no. and when so many of our Canadian athletes uh, were doing things around the world, uh, we didn't have a centre like this. What was no. the purpose, and then what happened when you started that? The purpose was simply athlete and coach support. Nice. What can we do better that will help them become better, and the end game is improve their athletic performance mm-hmm. and and be a better person. I mean that those things are important. They're far more important not now, or far more spoken about now than they were. Uh, so that really what it was. But some some of the centers were way ahead of the Manitoba Center because they had people who were coaches and already doctors, right? Doctors and coaches together. Uh, in my mind, I mean, one of the most interesting people was when Gavitrovsky, who was an internationally known coach, he's from just outside of Winnipeg, Beauvoisier area, and he's also the uh, coach coach to Gary Reed, who was double civil medalist, and probably has had 10 to 15 people on the national team, never talks about it. Wow. Had a hard time getting him to speak publicly about that. And really, I would say, small G genius on, on what he did, and that helped the team. Their Bergeron is what took me into that world of science and mechanics and massage. Yeah, yeah, he was really the starter on me. Wow. Yeah, we learned more about other people. Mm. So back to Wendy Machowski. He plays yes. the film room. So he brings Les Gramantic from Calgary, who is a combined events coach, but he also played professional uh, soccer and his. Uh, I wouldn't say his best event was two best events. Vault, Vault, and uh, and Tesla. I mean, world best. And we had uh, our doctor Alan Burnett. Uh, we had a guy called Gary Winkler who came out of the United States and coached Brigitte Flucian. So they were all uh, there. And they were all uh, working at the coal face, as they say, and, gen- and, they, and they were genuine. And Wynn said, "I want you to look at Gary's right hip. He's running away." Because semi-final tomorrow, what do you guys see? So they all had an offer of some sort. They all answered questions. They asked each other questions. And one point, when said, "Okay, I got it," and it was just like I didn't see any of that because I'm not a scientist like those guys were. I wasn't deep in, but but and uh, I said, "Got what you're looking for it, Win?" He says, "Yeah." This is the way we should do things. Yeah. We should talk about things that we don't understand, rather than saying, oh, "Don't worry about it." Because he wanted Gary to get on the uh, on the podium. This was at a world championship. It wasn't at the Olympics. But it doesn't matter. No, still the same. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's the model that I still read about, and I can I can. I'm, it's hard for me to believe that people are still just finding it. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, <laughs> we've done that for years. But yeah. there's different ways of doing that too. 
now that we're talking here, my brain is starting to think about those years I've spent, and it's probably a lot of good ones, but I don't, mm. I don't, I don't let them prop me up. I want to see what's next. <laughs> yeah, you want to be spurred on to other <clears throat> yeah. great things. Uh, so, how how long were you with the Canadian Sports Centre, and and what happened after that? I mean, uh, were you you were back with Athletics Canada at yeah. some point? They asked me to come back as um, the head coach. Right. Uh, and I said, yeah, the, the center's okay. I don't know if it's my thing. Uh, certainly the financial support wasn't what it eventually became. Uh, and to be asked to be the head coach, you don't want to say no, and I didn't. And yeah. I also knew who was on the team at the time. It was pretty easy to go back mm-hmm. and say, yeah, I want, I want to, I'd love to do this. So, yeah, it was... I don't know, uh, Michelle, I haven't applied for many. <laughs> I saw, somehow I got starstruck. It'll be lightning next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fried. <laughs> so Athletics Canada became your home once again, and, and there you were, the head coach again. And uh, what years did that carry you through and, and lead us through that? And, and maybe you said some of the athletes that were there then, do you remember specifically some highlights along the way or maybe some highlight names that brought you over there? Uh, I knew some of them, but mm-hmm. actually in 2008, which was uh, Beijing, yeah. I was still working for a Canadian Olympic Committee. Okay. So I got a four-year deal with them to do something called international intelligence. So I got to, I'll tell you, it's very simple. In that case, in Beijing, I was uh, given a tag that said infinite. I could go anywhere, to any team, to anything they were doing, except if they closed the door. Wow. So we were doing research with five other scientists. I should say five scientists. I'm not a scientist. I was the I was the person who collected them and did what I had to do. From 28 to 2012, the program was not as strong. So the cycle from 2008 to 2012 is very different. Uh, we did not meet our numbers in 2012 by one. Oh. So we say we're going to get three medals. We got two. One was disqualified. Later we got one. I got the phone call in January saying something about we uh, are going a different direction okay so that was fine didn't really say that but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's what they meant yeah that's (laughs) that's something that rings with me all the time now yeah because in in my opinion the group that we had together in the year uh years lazing right through um beijing to two of the world championships and even up just to the edge of uh of london the group was solid so there was a house cleaning after that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still some uh, hang on to good performances, and, and, and that, that was great too. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same. It really, it really hasn't. Glenroy Gilbert's back in, as the head coach. He's got the history. He's got a great understanding, and so uh, he is devoted to seeing what he can do. In, in, in the next games, yeah, which aren't going to happen. <laughs> now right. we're in twenty twenty one, which is mm-hmm. could be a real sadness. Who knows where sports going? Yeah, who knows where, where we're going? Who knows where where all of that is going? We don't know that, but we do know that uh, you, uh, through all of this, I mean, your coaching, your administration, your the ups and the downs, and I mean, high level sport is like that. They sort of say, as you put it so nicely, we're going in another direction. Right. Uh, they do often. High, uh, high level sport does, and often yeah. those that are behind the scenes and are in charge are the ones that get left behind or get changed. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, sometimes the athletes carry on uh, that were there before. Um, 
and now and now you stayed with it. I mean, what's keep mm-hmm. Alec? What's keeping what's keeping you in it now? I mean, you you said like you you are loving it now. Still, yeah. you're not just doing it. You're no, not doing it because right. you don't know what else to do. No. You no. actually love where you are. Uh, and what's making you love it right now? I, I think any one of us who had the good fortune of being in a, in a position that I was would, would understand fairly quickly that it's really the. Uh, the help, the understanding, the the need, uh, the, the the thrill, uh, the necessity to to work with other people, yeah. and, and I meet so many great people, whether they're an athlete, a coach, a friend of a of a coach, a therapist. I meet these people all the time, as as you did, Michelle, mm-hmm. and you've got wonderful memories. You maybe might not remember all their names and all the things you did, but that's the environment that I like. I, yeah. I've noticed it more now that I'm in the uh, one light bulb left years. <laughs> I don't want to say twilight, but that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to I be sure that when, when I do something, it, it, it has a meaning to it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to spend a little bit more time. I spend a lot of time at home, Sandy and I together now, sure. but we're still so busy. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm really pleased when I understand athletes other than their technical abilities, their recovery abilities, their talent, way, way beyond that. That, that, that will be there because the good athlete will do that regardless. But there's many other things that they're carrying around in their, their bag of sorrows or what, what ifs or who, who am I going to be? And I, I've met some really great people who I knew had needed some help, even a discussion with the coach. Mm-hmm. So I make a point of it, and I have a radar that way, saying, okay, maybe I can have just a short discussion, see if there's anything else, but I always defer to their personal coach. Sure. So that to me, that's a, that's, a, that's a pleasure. The other thing is, there's not one time that I've gone to track that I haven't been smiling. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it, and I said, I'm always happier here. What's going yeah. on? I don't like driving in traffic. <laughs> Alec, you have not only, we haven't touched on this a whole lot, but you have mentored a lot of other young coaches in, mm-hmm. in athletics. And uh, uh, what's, the, what's the challenge facing young coaches getting into, into sport now? What do you tell them? What, what is your main aim? What do you hope um, they see in you when they are considering doing what you've been doing for, as you said, 45 years being involved yeah. in athletics? The good coach has time, uh, sees someone who is talented but probably could need some help another way that that's what we want to see because yeah. because it is different I, I I'm more interested in how they're getting through their lives mm-hmm. do I like a good result yeah but I'm also re really and, and genuinely as are many of my coaches interested in uh, and vigilant on the, the the mood the athletes in the concerns the gestures they're making what what they look like that day if, if, if they, you can tell right away if there's a problem we, we certain certainly get into their grades anytime we want and sometimes we need to address that Claude does that but it has to be done yeah yeah there's lots of young men and women who are our friends uh, in that we can talk straight on about certain things yeah. um, school they're never lengthy because I don't want to be seen as needing to be one of the gang did that enough for enough years right i say everybody understand that okay we'll see you later <laughs> yeah so uh, but but being around there and transferring new information into my programs into the athletes and just being 
about three to six hours a, a week and just saying yeah, I'm working on this. Awesome. Well, I see this going far into your future. It doesn't sound like you're stopping anytime soon. As long as it's life-giving, and like you say, you said at the very beginning, being a hero is so much about the giving. Um, I have some rapid-fire questions I'm going to give to you, yes. my friend. What is your favorite sound? I like wood wind chimes. Nice. I've got some in the backyard. My wife bought them for me, and just a slight breeze is hitting these. And I said, man, this is what I want up back in China. And that, <laughs> I, I mean, right now, that's my favorite sound. Yeah. 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 And I hear voices, so I don't want to tell you about the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you have struggled with that continues to affect you now that no one would know looking at you? That, that, I, that I lose confidence and... Mm and have a pile of things I've never done. <laughs> we wouldn't know that looking well, at Well, I do some things, but that's what what's, uh, plagues, plagues me sometimes. And any of us who like to achieve, yeah. um, we don't have the Zen movement yet. I'm, right. I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> what is an ordinary moment? An ordinary moment? Mm. Uh, an ordinary moment for me, because it's some every day, is something right now for me is something as a picture. Not a literal picture, but if I look out my backyard and there's a certain uh, light on a certain group of trees uh, and the earth is a certain color, I love watching those very simple things. And I said, boy, there's a picture. I take some really bad pictures. But I, I've been taking a lot of pictures of things. I like, I'm getting, picking my guitar up again. I'm doing a few of those things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, our, ba- our band was called Midlife Crisis when I had one. Now, they don't have an old age crisis. <laughs> we were the geezers for a while too, so. I still, I'm still, still enjoying music uh, Fantastic. a lot and, mm-hmm. and reading. And my my eldest son is uh, puts me on really, really good books from different parts of the world. What is one piece of advice you want to pass along to others? Oh, um, see the good side in yourself, in, in other people. Be patient. Talk to people that need to be. Have, have a voice, whether they're on the street, whether they're a friend of yours you haven't talked to in a while. Take that extra step. What is a quote you love? <laughs> I'm not going to get a quote, but I'm going to give you a. I'm going to give you a riddle. Okay. Is that okay? <laughs> That's great. Uh, what do the Winnipeg Jets and a marathon have in common? I have no idea. They both have a finish line, eh? <laughs> That's pretty good. Finish lining, finish lining. Okay, there you go. Very good. Very good. <laughs> what is your favorite failure? Oh, my. What is my favorite failure? So, things that have come out of failures that have turned out. Gee, this is a hard question. I don't know if I have one that's traumatic, that's for sure. Oh, I know what it was. And it's only, it's the failure of a young child. Not young, but middle years. I didn't make a hockey team. And that bothered me Yeah. for about 20 minutes. No, it bothered me for a week because the rest of my friends made the team. I said, Rick, what are you doing? I'm on the A team. How about you? I didn't make it. <laughs> I remember that moment. <laughs> yeah. Other ones, I mean, there's sad moments. There's your parents passing moments and sure. being an idiot moments. <laughs> yeah. That one sticks up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they all spur us on to more things in the future. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about a book you would recommend to other people and why. That's difficult for me. I, I read every day yeah. uh, and I'm reading a lot of sports science. Now I'm getting back to some literature. Okay. 
So uh, I'm going to be a, a broad answer. I read a lot of, I really enjoy really good literature. I'm enjoying it from other countries that have been translated really, really well. Uh, I could probably give you a list of 30 if I have a day. <laughs> uh, I just can't bring any into mind. I'm, uh, my son says, have a look at this one. Ah. And uh, and so I get part way into it, and then I get, uh, and then I move move to the left, and I, I can't figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I come back to some of the books I, I read er, earlier. Oh, you, mm -hmm. the book that really fascinated me that I haven't finished yet is by um, Miriam Taves, Women Talking. Okay. I got a short uh, read over on my uh, what I once had with my iPod. And and I uh, didn't finish the book, but I've got a, still got a, a little bit written down, uh, a few pages, and it's one of the best writers in the world. Wow! Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, I thought it was one of the best things I've ever read. Wow! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Do you have a few songs you love? Yes, I do. <laughs> Which ones would they be? My very favorite song is "Give Me Shelter." I love that song. Who are two or three people who've influenced you, and how did they impact your life? Um, with, without the, uh, the drums banging and the, and, and the whistles whistling, certainly my parents. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, you know, it entered me and it flourished me and all of those things and nourished me. And so th th they were there. Little did I know they were there <laughs> the whole time, but they were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's many uh, people that I would like to talk to and, and really impressed by. Um, Many times, I, I liked Tim Daly a lot. He, he was uh, did a wonderful thing for sports for for years mm -hmm. and, and years and years. Um, there are probably too many there too that I can think about who who had time for me and and wanted to, to look at things differently. And yeah. Cole Summers is an interesting guy. He's one of my childhood friends. That's why I forgot him. We were childhood friends since four years old. Wow. And he is a a, a, a premier. Um, strength and conditioning athlete, uh, coach. He's world renowned, never would let you know about it, never talks about it. Hmm. Talks about, he, uh, he marched for um, people's rights, he marched against the nuclear weapons. Uh, hmm. He's very socially conscious, uh, a marvelous athlete, and one of the kindest guys you'd ever, you'd ever meet. So yeah, he's, he made a pretty big effect. He's also pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you know, this is not just a, a this is not just a because. One of the people I really like and have known for years is Ken. Mm. Ken Bentley. He's hilarious. He's serious. He asks great questions. He reaches out to you, and uh, if, if there's some things he wants to talk about, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, he's a marvelous friend. Mm. He's still only got a C plus and everything, but he's a marvelous friend. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Not cutting that. <laughs> Leaving that in there. Oh, Alec Gardner. Wow. As an English teacher from Transcona. That's right. And, I'm proud of it. you know, and proud of it. <laughs> and, and you've made it around the world and you've made such a difference in, in not only Athletics Canada, but in sport in Canada. Uh, and you're not stopping yet. But I love how your, you know, your purpose and your passion in the sport has not just to have the fastest runners and the best jumpers, but always looking at the inside of these people and knowing that if the inside is okay, 
the outside will take care of itself. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm really more interested in the world outside than I am Alec Gardner inside, although I have to deal with that from time to time. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate place. Right on. Well, you keep giving, and we'll keep calling you a hero in our midst. <laughs> Do we have a deal? We have a deal. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you. Well, not much left to be said about our hero, Alec Gardner, today, except to say that I think he summed it up perfectly when he said, now that my brain is thinking about the years I've spent, there's probably a lot of good ones, but I don't let them prop me up. I just want to see what's next. Simply amazing. Amazingly humble and no question, a hero in our midst. <laughs>